Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, breaking down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now your hosts, Fritz and Franco. John Riel Casimero, 29 and 4, 31 years old, versus Duke Micah, 24 and 0, 29 years old. Now, Franco, this fight kicked off the night for the Showtime pay-per-view for the Charlo Brothers headline. And uh, it was definitely a nice way to start the night. I was thinking, just based off the records, that the younger undefeated fighter was going to be much more of a challenge for Casimiro than he ended up being. Casimiro came out throwing bombs. And at the end, he was throwing like angry punches, like like Micah owed him money. You know what I mean? That's what it looked like. And when the ref stopped it, I was like, thank God, you know, like this did not need to go on any further. This was a big step up. They kept saying that in the telecast for Micah. It was the toughest competition that he had faced, and it definitely showed. He was not ready for what Casimiro was going to bring. No, he he was not. Now, it was interesting. Uh, I actually got to your house a little bit late, and so I missed the fight. We had to run it back, and uh, and you were like, oh, wait till you see his legs. So I was focusing on not Micah's legs, because I, I thought Micah was going to dominate this fight. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking at Casimiro, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I see it. You're like, yeah, you know, it's just watch, watch, watch. And I'm looking, and then I'm like, I don't, I don't know. How's this guy going to lose? Casimiro's like whooping the hell out of him. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong guy. Uh, because Casimiro, like you said, not only did he dominate, but then he started like taunting. He was throwing his arms back and like squawking at him, and then... It, it was like, yeah, it was, it was like something out of a movie. He, he whooped his ass. And, you know, it was, it was entertaining to watch, but uh, it was definitely confusing at first because I'm like totally focused on the wrong guy. And then I was like, oh, geez, he's, he's really giving it to him. Right. I'd definitely like to see Casimiro fight again. Um, yeah. Yeah. He came out just angry. It yeah. looked, uh, and at the end, Micah looked like a deer on, on ice. It was crazy. Yeah, his uh, once once I realized which guy I was supposed to be looking at, I saw exactly what you meant about the uh, Bambi on ice thing. Because all of a sudden, <laughs> his, his his legs were buckling. He was just he shouldn't. I don't know. I, I I don't like them stopping fights too often, but it was it was to the point where you're like, oh, he's he's not right. Like something yeah. is wrong there. Obviously, fighter safety or really for any athlete safety is always first but on the other hand it was pretty entertaining to watch those knockdowns once once he did go down a couple times it's like satisfying to see a fighter finish him off and you know props to Casimiro he finished that fight like he's like oh he smelled blood in the water and and he went for it and he still had time to do one-arm push-ups afterwards that's he still had he wanted to show us that he still had more in the tank to go (laughs) That's the hey. That's how you book your next fight. You're, yeah. you're ready for the next one. Uh, I'm ready for the next one. I definitely liked what I saw, and it, it was entertaining. At the end of the day, that's what sports are supposed to be. You know, when when they took away NFL celebrations for touchdowns, that was boring and lame. And and they brought it back and stuff like that, where you beat the hell out of a dude, and you're you're not really supposed to because this kid is undefeated, and then you put him in his place, and then you do your one arm push ups. That's I do think he was supposed to because I saw the betting line and it was definitely heavily favored toward uh, Casimiro. I think uh, Micah was like plus 1,200 or something like that. Like it was, if you bet 100 bucks, you win 1,200. Like it was not supposed to be close uh, according to Vegas. So 
Yeah, uh, see, the, still a the nice hair. way to st- nice way to start out the night. Casimiro had the bleach blonde hair, and I think that's what threw me off. Yeah, he looked like he should be in a boy band instead of uh, a boxer. But yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a good way to kick off the night. Daniel Roman, twenty-seven, three and one, thirty years old, facing Juan Carlos Payano, twenty-one and three, thirty-six years old. Now they let us know that Roman's nickname was the baby-faced assassin at the beginning. Like that's his nickname. Uh, this kid had the worst mustache since whatever nonsense I had growing on my top lip in like eighth grade, and it threw me off for so much of the fight. Yeah, I couldn't believe he was thirty years old with that mustache. That looked like you know like a twenty-year-old mustache. It was it was pretty bad. But this fight was good. They were throwing bombs at each other. And I really thought that Payano was was ahead early for sure. He was definitely outworking him. Yeah. And a, a lot of the rounds were close early, but I I still say that Payano was was ahead. But then in the later rounds, you saw that extra you know six years of age just playing on Payano a little bit, where he wasn't as sharp, and the bad mustache came out and just <laughs> uh, started dominating in the later rounds. Yeah, see, I thought I thought Ramon looked he looked good, but only in bursts. Almost like uh, I don't know if you've ever had like boba tea when they put like the little uh, boba balls in there, and you're drinking it just tastes like lemonade, and then all of a sudden there's like an explosion of weird flavor. Uh, that, no, that's, that's I've never had that. It's it's delicious. Uh, okay. I'll have to take you to Chinatown so you can try it. <laughs> all uh, right. But yeah, that's that's what watching Ramon was like it's like oh he's just fighting fight holy crap he's going crazy oh there's nothing happening oh my god um you know it was just payano was dictating the pace of the fight his movement was good the only thing was and and the announcer said it i guess his face bleeds easily okay. so they were like oh yeah he he gets busted up super easily but he's a tough guy and he'll fight through it like it doesn't affect him uh his face looked like like ground beef at the end right but, but he still dominated the fight. So this was one of the first times using, well, actually, no, this would be like the second time where I started using the scoring app and I had it all scored towards Payano until towards the end. Ramon definitely dominated the fight, but it was like too little too late, or at least that's what I thought. Okay. So at the end of the fight, last 10 seconds, Payano throws a haymaker and uh, completely misses. Like he just overswings, goes through the, almost through the ropes. He hits the ropes and falls down to the ground and they start calling it a knockdown. What did you think, Fritz? Well, they, when they replayed it, it, a punch lands before he falls. They ended up waving it off that they did not call it a knockdown. But I thought in live action that it was a knockdown, that there was a punch landed and then he fell. I don't disagree. It was so close that I, I can't bitch about what they decided that in real time, it, it looked like a knockdown to me, but I could also see their decision going the other way that he missed on that, on that haymaker at the very end. And then just, you know, his own momentum took him down. But I also think it was aided by that punch. So I would have gone knockdown at that point, but I, I'm not going to bitch about the decision the other way. Yeah. Now, even with the knockdown, I had it scored as a draw, and uh, the judges had it scored like 112 to 116. It was a unanimous decision. On my note card, I, I guess I was upset enough that I spilled beer on my card and then <laughs> tried to write, I, I tried to like scratch BS into the beer stain. Um, 
apparently I was upset about the ending. Uh, but to me, Piano looked beat up, but he he didn't lose on the cards to me because it ended up going to the cards. Now, I am not a professional boxing uh, judge. However, at least have it closer than that. Like how how am I ending up where it's at least a draw and then it's just completely off? Yeah, it's. I think it all comes down to those earlier rounds where – some of them were close, and if you got it one way and the other guys got it the other, you know, this, believe me, I'm more than willing to bitch about judges when I think it's time to, but this one, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with the judges. I thought it was, I thought it was right, but it's also, it wasn't so one-sided that somebody got robbed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I could see that. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., 51 and 4, 34 years old, going against Mario Cesares, 11 and 0, 30 years old. So I was super excited uh, when I found out about these fights and then uh, saw them. Yeah, afterwards, it, it did leave like a weird taste in my mouth. When I was a kid, Julio Cesar Chavez fighting was like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Like we would get the pay-per-view. My dad would have all of his friends over. Uh, my dad, for our listeners who may not know, is uh, 100% Mexican, uh, moved here when he was 18. And like this was like a, it's like a holiday, or it used yeah. to be like a holiday when he was fighting. It was, well, he, was he was awesome. His, his nickname is like the Pride of Mexico. Like that's how it loosely translates. Right. It's, this guy is like a, a hero to, to, to Mexicans. And uh, yeah, so when his son came up, it was going to be a big deal. Like, okay, now, you know, we're passing down the, the crown, and I, I don't know. What did, what, I'll let you start it off, Fritz. What did you think? Okay, this is how I've felt after most of the Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fights that I've seen. Just disappointed. Like, going in, like, hoping this kid could actually cash in on his name and bring a good fight. And it seems like all he is doing is cashing in on his name because he didn't put in a good fight. This kid came in 11-0 and against him. Um, granted it's, it's Chavez's, uh, debut at light heavyweight, but that shouldn't matter. Like I don't, I've never heard of the kid he fought before. Granted he was 11 and 0, so he wasn't, you know, a chump, but we've also seen 11 and 0 dudes that have fought nobody. This is the, seems to be how I feel after most Chavez junior fights is that, you know, I'm hoping for the best and end up with the worst. He couldn't, couldn't continue because his eye was bleeding. He didn't look that bad. Yeah, I, um, I'm sure if he insisted to the doctor, like, no, I'm fine. This fight would have continued, yeah. and he would have. I think he would have continued to get his ass beat, just like yeah. when he quit against Danny Jacobs at 168. He's like, oh, he was being, he was being a cheat. Like, no, Danny Jacobs was whooping your ass, and you were expect how he didn't take Danny Jacobs serious. I have no idea. Yeah, you know, I made my daughters sit down with me to watch because I was like, you need to understand these are these are legends from my childhood. And then uh, Chavez, Chavez Jr. comes out and he looked like a cousin that just got out of rehab, you know, right. I'm like, oh God, like he, he looks awful. He had, his hair was all dyed up and he just, he looked tired. He looked like a mess. Now, one of the things that helped this fight was the venue I thought was super cool, partially because they could care less about COVID. Uh, it took place in Tijuana, Mexico. It was still in a small, you know, almost looked like a, school gym kind of a deal and they dressed it up to make it look a little bit cooler but uh the crowd was super hot like they this was like the trashiest 
uh, family barbecue ever. And they just said, hey, you know what? We're fighting tomorrow. Come with. I, I wish you spoke Spanish because the cuss words that were flying out of the, some of the women's mouths at this fight were, I blushed. I, bl- yeah. I like, thank God my kids don't speak Spanish because I would have had to do earmuffs every two seconds. Yeah, you know, they had that weird accidental headbutt. Um, it wasn't surprising only because both sides, to me, it seemed like very personal. They started fighting dirty, but mm-hmm. but both of them were. Uh, it was like just bad blood and it made it a little bit more entertaining, but it wasn't boxing. It was more right. WWE than boxing. Yeah, I I didn't enjoy it, and I don't, I don't know that I'll tune in for another. I mean, when he's the headliner, I'm definitely not. It's not a must-watch fight anymore for me. It's just, it's almost sad where you're like, all right, you could have done so much, and I can't care more than he does. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. You know, at least it was, I mean, it was a close fight. They were only separated by a point. He lost by unanimous decision, but... Uh, yeah, it was like you said, the best word I think is just disappointing. Now, one thing that I did enjoy a lot, a lot from the entire card, the announcer apparently, because I, I don't watch a lot of boxing in Spanish. You, you I know for a fact you watch more boxing in Spanish. <laughs> right. I, I don't do. understand anything they're saying, but I still love the good fights on Telemundo. Uh, this this announcer, I had to ask my dad about him. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a guy like this. He's been around for forever. But I guess he also does lucha matches. But it's hard because, you know, it's in Spanish, so you can't tell. But he sounds exactly like an old timey 1930s. Like, ah, see here. Oh, he's giving him the business. Like, but in Spanish, it was it was spectacular. It sounded like every um, like uh, satirical soccer uh, highlight that I've ever heard, you know, like people making fun of soccer highlights. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was great. The the one thing it literally translated, he's like, and right now they're face to face, chest to chest, belly to belly and like running out of air in his lungs. I'm, you know, I appreciated it. I appreciate right. it. Cause sometimes some of these cards, I get it. They're in the bubble and stuff, but the announcers are just so laid back. It's like, no, yell loud enough for them to hear you in the ring. Right. Go nuts. I think we can actually segue into the next fight because the thing I want to say too about Chavez Jr. is he's probably half the age of his dad, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. And the dad headlined this night and he brought more Wanit in his four round exhibition than the son did in his pro fight. You know, like he came out, I'm not familiar with the guy that he fought. Apparently this is their third match, but God, it was a fun exhibition. It was, at times, it was like watching, like, old people make out, you know, where you're like, all right, that's cute, but, uh, like, uh, I, I got to turn away, you know? Keep that uh, in the old folks' home. Yeah, exactly. But then I also admire the fact that Chavez has still got that fire in his belly that he wants to get in the ring. He he's wasn't 58. Gay. Yeah, he wasn't gassed at the end of it. All right, so he's 58. It was still, it, yeah. I, it, it was worth watching anyway. You yeah, know? The, they did this whole video montage before the fight, and it shows like the history of Julio Cesar Chavez, and they've got the Mexican flag and him just destroying people. I mean, he's 107, 6, and 2. That's way too many fights for any human being right. at all. And uh, so they play this video montage, and I got chills, and I'm just like, getting so excited and then my grandpa came out in like an under armor shirt because both men yeah keep like there <laughs> thank god 
Thank yeah. God they both had to wear the the uh, nah. compression shirts because nah, they should have come out like Ric Flair <laughs> with their floppy no. old man boobs. No, you know, thank just you. Uh, but yeah, he came. They both came out. Now Arce, I I do remember some Arce fights from like a long time ago, and you know he's he's a good fighter. Or he was a good. He wasn't great, but he was he was really good. He was a top guy. I did enjoy it for the nostalgia of it, and that's that's a thing that a lot of boxing is is kind of banking on now. All of a sudden where we're having Tyson again, uh, you know, they're probably going to, I'm, I'm kind of torn about how I feel about it because the nostalgia is nice, but the actual fight, it, this was like going to Pepe's for Mexican food where it's like, it's close and, and I'll eat it, but it's, it's not quite right. It's not Nuevo Leon. It's not like authentic. And so, yeah, like you said, it was like watching old people fight. And, but, but at least they gave it their all, you know, they're yeah. 41 and 58 years old but at least they put forth the effort and yeah, they made it entertaining. And it did seem to a certain extent, it was on a personal level. Uh, one of the guys in Arce's corner had a shirt that said, El travieso le va a pegar al viejo picudo, which means uh, the, so travieso is Arce's nickname, which means uh, mischievous boy, literally, but it translates more as like naughty boy. Okay. So it, his shirt <laughs> said, the naughty boy is going to hit the, uh, the cocky old man loosely ah, translated and nice. i'm like oh my god they made shirts to talk shit about each other that's great for this exhibition match and uh yeah you know like you said i don't know that i would tune in again to watch this stuff but you know this this seems to be a road that boxing is planning to go down with for, with these, for senior fights. for senior i'm tuning in again like <laughs> it was just that kind of weird fun that you're like all right this was this was fun do they get to hit each other with walkers eventually? Yeah, like, you know this isn't his last time in the ring. Uh, unfortunately. Josh Taylor, 16-0, 29 years old, versus Opinion Kong Song, 16-0, 24 years old. Franco, I loved this fight, all right? <laughs> Uh, you had to you had to put your seatbelt on because it was it was going to be a big crash real quick. It lasted, but not even three. It, it didn't go the fir, you know through the first round. So I think it was two minutes and something into it. Kong Sung takes a shot to the liver and uh, just goes down. What I loved is before this punch landed, Kong Sung was so sure of himself, like yeah. he really thought that he had a chance. And I love. I love that about him. Like he had the big smile on his face. He was sure that he was going to walk out of there with a belt. And I have no idea why he thought that. I looked up the records of the guys that he fought to get this fight. I have no idea how he was the mandatory because the guy he fought uh, before this fight was nine and 10. All right. Jeez. <laughs> and the guys before that were, were nowhere near uh, good fighters either. Like, uh, sure, Kong Song was on a six-fight KO streak, but he was beating nobodies. Like, yeah, and it really must have messed with his head, thinking like, "Hey, man, I'm really good." Uh, <laughs> like, his managers must have really fooled this dude because he was not ready for Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor has fought the best at 140. Like, he beat Bregrias, he beat uh, Baranchek. I've watched Josh Taylor fight before, and granted, he hasn't blown these dudes out that he's fought, but he beat the best, you know? Yeah. So 
they they put up the stat like it said uh you know when they broke down the tail of the tape and then down at the bottom it said taylor has faced three champs uh kong song has faced zero champs right and right there i was like oh this isn't a regular 16 and 0 that both of these guys have this is this is something else but hey you never know and uh you know i got thrown off by their entrances when Kong Song came out, he came out to Mad Con uh, Beggin, which is like a hip-hop remix of an old Temptation song. And then Taylor comes out to James Brown, the boss, and it felt like a Tarantino movie. Okay. And I'm all like, oh, my God, I'm watching Pulp Fiction in real life. This is going to be amazing. Like, it, it just had a cool, like, vibe. And then, uh, and then it turned into a Tarantino movie. Yeah. <laughs> Where it just had a weird ending and everybody died. And, oh, I, you know, you watch this fight. A little bit before I did, uh, and I watched the Chavez fights before you did. Right. I thought that you made me watch this as payback for making you watch the Chavez fights, because, like you said, it lasted like a couple of minutes, but the the liver shot, it didn't look that bad, but you would have thought he actually shot him, like right. he, he shot him with the gun in the liver, the way that he went down and started rolling around. Yeah, you could tell he had never been hit like that before. Yeah. Uh, like, in all of his six uh, previous fights or any of his 16 previous wins, he had he was stunned. Uh, so it was crazy. I'm looking forward to uh, Jose Ramirez versus Josh Taylor. That's going to uh, unify the 140 division. And yeah. I'm sure that they'll make that happen. For but sure. In, but in the meantime... I'd like to see Kong Song fight again because I would like to see whether this woke his ass up. Like he came in so cocky. Like I'd like to see a good, a good fighter confident in themselves, but man, was it unfounded confidence because he did not belong in the ring with Josh Taylor. He needed a little more seasoning and uh, maybe he can go back to the drawing board and get, get back on his winning ways because this was a big wake up call for him. Oh, it could be a wake up call for him. He could just be never heard from again. I'd prefer that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever, I don't ever need to see this guy fight again. Only cause how many times do we say, you know, this guy got his butt kicked, but, but at least he had like a strong chin and you know, he, he toughed his way through it and I'll give him credit. I would go down after one of those punches. This guy went down after one of those punches. It would be the same as you or me fighting. Right. Maybe he has a good chin. He didn't get hit in the chin though. He got hit right in the liver. He's like, you can't hit me there. (laughs) (laughs) What is, what is he doing? It, uh, It was, you know, I recommend everybody in the world should watch this fight just so that we never see Kong song again. Cause if they were to put him on a card, people would be like, well, why would I want to see that? You know, in the, in the wrestling world, they refer to them as jobbers. It's like, you know, the Brooklyn Brawler, the guy that they just roll out there, Repo Man. They just roll him out there just to watch him get his ass kicked by right. who, like, the top guy is. That's what I felt this was. Taylor went out there, just crushed him in under a minute, and then celebrated, and it was over. Yeah. It's like, that's cool to watch every once in a while, but not. Yeah, Josh Taylor's <laughs> really good. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, it it was it was a weird knockdown, but it was it was mostly it was just fun to watch Kong Song rolling around on the ground crying afterwards. Yeah. Jermel Charlo, thirty-three and one, thirty years old, facing Jason Rosario, twenty-one and one, twenty-five years old.
Now, Franco, this was a big unification fight at 154. Jermel had only lost the one time, and I saw that fight to J-Rock Williams, and at least I think I have that right. And it, that was a close fight that he was really pissed at the end that he ended up losing the decision. Mm-hmm. It was super. That one was super close. This one was not, okay? No. Jason Rosario came in with a, with a belt, and uh, at one point he fell asleep in his corner. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember that. Um, no, actually, I don't remember that part. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, he should have just stayed asleep because the, when he came back out to answer these bells, he was getting his ass kicked. Like it looked like like a guy who had stepped up in weight and wasn't ready for it. But he had already won a belt at one fifty four. It, you know what I mean? Like it had that feeling that the guy tried to step up and wait 130 to 147. Like when mm-hmm. Mikey Garcia just got, you know, outlanded uh, when he fought Spence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it, it had that kind of feeling to it. And I just couldn't understand it that Rosario did not look ready for this fight. Yeah. It did not look like a unification fight. It looked like uh, of a guy who was out of, out of his, uh, out of his depth. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, in the, in the first round, there was a Charlo had a quick knockdown in the first round. Mm-hmm. And then he knocked him down again in the sixth round uh, off of a great, like it was just a beautiful left hook right to his temple. And when Rosario went down, I don't know if you remember uh, when you were a kid, they, they used to make these toys where it would be like a giraffe made out of like little plastic pieces sitting on a base and you'd push in the bottom of the base yeah, and its legs would crumple and the yes. whole thing would go down. That's exactly how Rosario went down in the sixth round. The sixth round. And then he got back up, fight kept going, and you're just kind of like, ooh, like, I, just stay down. Like, you don't need to keep getting up. And then uh, hey. so the, the knockdown in the eighth, though, like you said, he, he shouldn't have even been going anymore at this point where you're just like, just finish him off, which uh, he did. But it was weird. I don't know. He, he punched him in the belly. Right. And I thought that Rosario took a flop. But then he had like a seizure in the ring. He was flopping around like when you kill a fish. Right. Uh, he looked he, like a fish on deck. Yeah, it was like a, crazy. Like an ugly carp that you're just going to let die. You know, you're like, all right, go ahead, you stupid carp. Yeah, you know? he, he just he flopped around in there. And, and then it got scary. Like, we were <laughs> we're watching. We're already uh, one or two beers in at this point. Yeah. And, and so both of us are like, oh, my God. And then it was like, oh, oh, wait, I think we're watching a guy die. Yeah. Oh, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> and yeah. then luckily he did, he did get up. Right. Uh, Oh man, but that was because at first you're like, oh, what a stupid knockdown, and then you're like, oh, his body is shutting down. Right. Yeah, it looked gross. But I was, you know, happy to read afterwards that he went to the hospital for observation. Like I thought that was a smart idea. Yeah. Um, but made a full recovery and is uh, out and fine. I just I don't know where Rosario goes from here because he looked really bad. Yeah, you know, his nickname is uh, the banana. Banana. banana <laughs> which at first I was like. Wow, he's just putting that out there for everyone. To know. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know how I got that nickname. But it turns out it's because uh, he eats a lot of bananas, like baseball players from the Dominican, mm-hmm. and uh, they do it for the protein. He he could have used a couple more bananas right. for this fight because uh, he he definitely did not look solid and and could have used a little bit more uh, potassium. I think it was because he was ready to split. Uh, I see what you do. <laughs> and that's why this is punches and punchlines, right? I love it. I love a terrible pun. I can't. I can't pass it up. Uh, the dad jokes coming out. <laughs> <laughs> you just the only thing missing now is the finger guns. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Jermall Charlo, 31 and 0, 30 years old, facing Sergey Drevyanchenko, 13 and 2, 34 years old. Now this was the reason I bought the pay-per-view that night. Like I wanted to see Jermall fight like real competition. Drevyanchenko had the two losses coming into this, but both of those fights could have gone either way. Like when he fought Danny Jacobs, I thought that was really close. And when he fought Triple G, I love Triple G. And I thought that that fight was really close. Yeah. So going into this fight, I was like, there's, I, I'll be honest, I had money on Drevianchenko because I was like, Charlo has not fought anybody this caliber. And um, Jamal stepped up. Like, granted, it was for the WBC uh, middleweight champion. I still think that Canelo is the middleweight champion because he never lost the belt. So this is one of those, uh, you fought for a vacant title because they made Canelo the franchise champion, another bullshit belt. But... <laughs> Either way, this fight was great. In the third round, I really thought that uh, I pissed my money away because I thought Drevianchenko was going down. And I was yeah. he had gone down in the, the fights against uh, Jacobs. He went down you know, once against Jacobs. He went down once against Triple G and then came back. But he was somehow able to keep his feet. I'm not sure how, but <laughs> he was able to keep his feet in that third round. And then you fast forward a little bit to the eighth round, and I thought that uh, Charlo was going down. I was like, all right, I made a great investment. Like I'm going to cash this ticket. And, uh, I was right. But, uh, Charlo kept his feet and I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was a, it was a great fight. Like mm-hmm. and Chenko is like, is like the hot chick that wherever, wherever she goes, you know, like she tr- transfers around to different schools and always ends up being like the second hottest chick in the school. Like, <laughs> She just can't reach that top level. So you're looking at a dude with three losses, but they've been so close. Like, this dude is a real good fighter at 160. Somebody was saying that maybe he should step down to 154. Now, I I don't disagree with that, but he's so good at 160 as well that it just – he just had one tick below, you know. It's it's been tough for him. Yeah, one of the the big issues I had with him was – for like the first four rounds, he was so far away. Like he, he wasn't closing the gap. Charlo had the reach on him. Right. So he was just racking up points. And you're kind of like, all right, man, you got to like close that gap. And, you know, at least they weren't, you know, they weren't doing weird headbutts and stuff. He wasn't overdoing it, but also I felt like he wasn't doing enough to right. close that space. And then finally, he, Derbyanchenko uh, closed the gap, started working the body, would get like uppercuts in every once in a while. But, you know, for most of the fight, I was scoring it uh, on a curve because I knew you put money on it, and I felt <laughs> bad. Like I, I felt bad that you had money on Dervianchenko because, uh, man, like Charlo just kept teeing off on him because right. he had the reach advantage, and and he took advantage of that by not by not letting him close the gap, moving around the ring, uh, and <laughs> Dervianchenko just kept getting his bell rung like a hunchback. Like it was just yeah. he, he needed to close that gap and stop getting punched in the face. Yeah, it was crazy. He's like a head of iron because he was taking shots. I mean, his face showed it for sure. Yeah. When the fight was over, you know, Charlo looked as pretty as he did coming in. And Drevinchenko, man, he looked he looked beat up. Like, yeah. if you just saw pictures of him afterwards, you wouldn't think that it was a close fight at all. And actually, it really wasn't a close fight, but it was closer than probably Charlo thought it was going to be. 
You know, yeah, yeah. There was there was no. Jevinchenko um, was in each round except for that third. The first, you know, like you said, the first couple he wasn't getting close enough. But this was not a blowout by any any stretch of the imagination. No, I, I think Charlo clearly won. Jevinchenko took some rounds. Like he probably had four or five rounds. You know, so yeah. Once once they got going towards the end, uh, he definitely. You know, he adjusted his game plan a little bit and and started doing what he needed to do, listening to his corner a little bit more. And and credit to him for not going down. But unfortunately, the uh, the sports book does not pay out for for being tough. So I'm right. sorry about that, Fritz. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Uh, They're not like here's half your money back. Yeah, you put up a good effort. <laughs> yeah, you were right that this kid is good. Here's your money back. Uh, <laughs> you know, we appreciated his effort. Yeah, here's the thing. I'll watch. I'll watch Jamal fight again. I will. I will also watch Jevinchenko fight again. You can gain fans in a loss because I started uh, appreciating who Jevinchenko was after uh, watching a fight Triple G. I was like, this dude mm-hmm. really can box. Well, it was a good fight. It was. I was surprised that they went uh, with this as the first main event and not save that till later in the night. But apparently, the brothers go back and forth on who's going to headline and who, you know, who will go first, who will go second, you know, cause they've shared cards the, the last few times. So mm-hmm. uh, apparently it was just a deal between the two of them because uh, I definitely thought that this was, uh, was a great fight and I yeah, look forward it, to seeing them both fight again. You know, I liked that both of them, it, it was a clean, good fight. Uh, despite uh, one of the judges, his last name is literally cheat ham. Yeah, and we were like, "Oh, this is this is a bad yeah. omen," and then, uh, yeah, it, you know, it it was, it was what you look for in a quality boxing match, where it was just two dudes going at it hard. Dervianchenko, it looked like he was going to just get his butt kicked, and then he he adjusted and and made a good fight out of it. Like you said, he won a bunch of rounds towards the end. Too little, too late. But but it's what you look for. There was no goofy stuff. There was no uh, hitting below the belt or right. crazy headbutts or a lot of the stuff that we've seen from lesser fighters in some of these other uh, cards, you know, whether it be on ESPN Plus or DAZN or whatever. This was just, it was a good, solid pay-per-view fight. And I appreciated that there wasn't weird side boxing stuff going on, that it was just straightforward and uh, two dudes that kicked the shit out of each other. And it was, it was a good fight. Right. I definitely love to see Jamal go against another 160 title holder. Like I love Who that he fought like Dravianchenko. Like I, I would love to see him fight Andrade. Like I think that that would be a good fight. Okay. Um, I, I would love to see a Charlo Triple G fight. He's got the IBF yeah. belt. I'm trying to even think who has the WBA belt. Now I'm curious to see once Charlo and Canelo finally pop off again, if they've still got it. It's been so long since we've seen them. It feels like. And, you know, I get it. There's a pandemic and they want to be able to cash in and get their money. But, you know, some of these lesser guys, they're getting their work in. It, it might be balancing balancing out the scales a little bit with some of uh, the really big names. Uh, but, yeah, Charlo and Triple G, I, I'd love to see that. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. And we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor.